In this episode of Wild Rixia, our journey takes us to a patch of seemingly normal gourds. That is, until you get too close. As a way of spreading their seeds over large areas, the detonator gourds explode in a large spray. The seeds are caught up by the breeze and are sent hundreds of feet in all directions. The violent nature of the seed dispersal makes these plants difficult to study. However, some enterprising young alchemists were able to determine that the growth and decay of the interior of the gourd produces several chemicals which combine into a highly unstable liquid. Even the slightest touch or vibration can set them off. Until next time, may the day greet you with the potential of a runic sunrise and fill you with the wonder of a runic sunset. Hi, everyone. Hi, Hi Nathan. Hi. Hello. Welcome once more to Reckless Attack, a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast. I am, as always, your GM, Nathan, and I am met with some wonderful players who are all just looking at their phones, scrolling at a very funny thing uh, <laughs> that we will not be revealing at this point in the episode. No one else can know. Just makes me very happy that it exists. But let's go around the table and tell everyone, not just who you are, dear players, but what's the most embarrassing tab you have up on your phone right now? Uh, starting with Steve, because you had the widest eyes when I suggested it. Well, because uh, I don't have my phone out. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know what <laughs> yeah. it is, though. You know the answer. So here's a big secret about me. I don't keep tabs open for websites. I close everything. What a monster. <laughs> what, wow. a, what a strange way to live life. I also, once I am done with my computer, <laughs> shut it down. What? I I just, I just don't <laughs> see okay, how we boomer. can keep <laughs> doing this podcast. Just, I thought we had a set of shared values, and I guess not. I have programmed a short key onto my computer to shut and quit everything and I do not use it. <laughs> <laughs> I have spent the time to set up this keyboard shortcut and I have used it once. <laughs> I appreciate so you your honesty. Works. The number of tabs that I have open gives other people anxiety. <laughs> yeah. It is at oh. least 80. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No groups, nothing. Because like, wow. maybe someday I'll have to go back to it in like three weeks. Right. Now, my actual desktop is relatively clear. There's only a few minor things on there. Are you ones that have, <laughs> is it like here's left, the, yeah. left here's to right, thing. floor to ceiling icons of everything? Don't at me about my desktop. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not because I have two screens. So it's split into two <laughs> segments. So it's like a quarter of each screen is taken up by little files. No, and it's more shortcuts. real estate for more files. You just got to fill it up. I, and then when that's full, add another screen. Believe me, I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a, sp- a I, slow spiral downward. I am downward. a big believer in folders. Like on my work desktop or something, there's a, a folder that says Steve. I think we did a great job of introducing ourselves <laughs> yeah. for this week's episode. Everybody. And I play <laughs> Self of Asterlin, the Dragonborn Monk whose desktop 
is clear. <laughs> he, has, he has a folder called Selv. He has a folder <laughs> called Golden Tree. For, for in case in case he ever switches adventuring guilds, yes. he just has one folder. <laughs> Copy and paste. And drop. Yes. And he has a folder for the monastery. And uh, that's it. <laughs> And to my right, at the colossal explosion of folders is... <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm David, and I'm not introducing myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I am under, I I am under attack. Use folders. <laughs> I'm being persecuted yeah, right. at my own, my own gaming table. <laughs> and to my right. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Jonathan, and I play Checkers, the Grung Druid, and his trusty frog pals, Mango and Junior. And I've learned so much about my friends today that I, <laughs> I don't know that I really wanted to know, but here we are. Yep, fair, fair. <laughs> And to my right. Hi, everyone. I'm Sophie, and I play Valeska Carter, the human asterisk cleric of the Arcana Domain. And Val has so many notebooks, no computers, manual only. <laughs> because she doesn't want the government spying on her, exactly. obviously. She lives off the grid, <laughs> canonically. <laughs> Classic Val. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, well, usually, for any new listeners, we like to usually <laughs> just jump straight into the action. But today, I think I think I'm going to blame this on a. We haven't played together in a bit, so we're all just like, let's have some fun, goofy times. Uh, but also, we had a bunch of tech delays, and so we actually just got to chat like human beings instead of just being like, all right, let's sit down and fucking rip out some D and D. And it just unfortunately has carried over into the product that you see. Also, because we could not ignore the fact that Steve said, "I yeah. just shut off my computer at night," <laughs> like a monster. Yeah, immediately, like, well, we gotta, we gotta, yeah. we gotta unpack that live on mic, right? This is gonna be the lost episode. We're just gonna <laughs> skip episode eighty-three because it just, it just spiraled. <laughs> right? It's truly, truly shameful. Congratulations, Reckless Attack! You just recorded your one thousandth episode, but. Uh, can we talk about number 83? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Our, our lawyers have advised us not to discuss that. We have no again. comment. There may or may not be an episode 83. But good news, guys. This is episode. I think I really hope that it, I said <laughs> episode 83 after all of those goof ups And it is, boy, what a humdinger we have for you. Because you guys have finally, finally reached the apex of your long, long journey across the plains of Rixia all the way to a place called Starry Night Pastures. The apparent city home... Cow. Cow. Fortress. Of... <laughs> <laughs> of Lorana Moonglove, the kind of mysterious sorceress who Garnak the Minotaur suggested might be able to help you guys fix the bones uh, who have broken bands. Certainly at least the ones that are currently broken, and who knows, maybe even give them a solution moving forward for other times that this might happen. She's going to give us a cast for the broken bones. Could be. You don't know yet, but that's why she's, that's why she's she going to the cast. Sorceress. What's she going to cast, Steve? Mm-hmm. A spell. <laughs> to, to fix them. To fix the broken bones. Tell me more. <laughs> Come on, Nathan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys had to wait right on the edge of the part of the world that was destroyed, made completely free of life after Sunfall, that destroyed the Pentarchy. <laughs> What's up, David? I, I'm, I'm just thinking about uh, coding a browser extension for Chrome <laughs> that randomizes all of my tabs every 10 seconds after opening them. 
<laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> These are the I let the intrusive thoughts win for like ten seconds. <laughs> I can I can do both. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah, I can yeah. I can think about all these things, yeah. but <laughs> uh, and you guys uh, again were there with your giant companion Darthon and had to wait for a while. It took until noon the next day, until out of nowhere a strange bovine with an attendant came up to you guys. Uh, This water buffalo was absolutely covered in kind of galaxy patterns almost, like it is was a living night sky. And in between its big curved horns was an impossibly miniature little town and city with a kind of large palace temple or something right at the very top of it. You guys were warped into that reality by a kind of, we'll say, helpful attendant (laughs) named Daisy, who was described exclusively as a humanoid with a large hat and a lot of purple clothing on. And a customer service smile. And a customer service smile. You found yourself in this bustling, beautiful, almost glistening white city. And Daisy turned to you all and said, let me take you to the patron of the city, Lorana Moonglove. This humanoid is standing right in front of you and is wearing so many layers of clothes that you can't even tell what species that she is. Again, just giant, huge sun hat extending like three feet in either direction and just tons of robes of all kinds of crazy colors on, which is a style that is echoed by everyone else that you see. Everyone is just draped in over-the-top fabrics of purples and blues and yellows of all sorts. I really want to know how much flop there was in the three-feet hat. Like, is it perfectly straight or is it just a full flop? Like, how stiff is the brim of this That is a That is an excellent question. It is actually pure stiff. It okay. is just extending straight outwards, like like a big circular disc. And she said, now, would you all prefer to go straight to the mistress herself, or would you be interested in seeing a few of the sights while you're here? It takes Val a second because she's just confused as to how she got here. Mm-hmm. She's racking her brain of like, what spell was just cast how logistically did this happen and she's just coming up blank so she's taking a few minutes to process that are there any stories maybe that self has heard about miniature cities or cities be like you know like the city in a bottle type of thing sure you know give me history check ship in a bottle even anything like that History. Uh, with the plus one, that comes to three. <laughs> uh, yeah, of of course, of of whatever the kind of like Gulliver's travel equivalent. That was a weird. That's yeah. a strange <laughs> phrase to say. Gulliver, Gull- Gull- Gulliver's, Gulliver's travels. travels. I, I threw a lot of extra L's in for no reason. <laughs> uh, whatever the equivalent of that is, like, wait, is that is that real? Are we there right now? But otherwise, you have no kind of firm historical account that would kind of point to something like this. Are these Lilliputians? <laughs> and Kaskrin would say to Daisy, 
we should go see Luana first. But I have so many questions. <laughs> and you, Mr. Frog, she turns back to Checkers. Would you like to stay here or would you like to accompany the rest of the group? Both can be easily accommodated. Val will look at Casgrim and Mindlink be like, we cannot leave him. He has to come with us. And Casgrim will just say, he'll be fine. <laughs> what kind of trouble can he get in? Yeah, I'll find Va- you. Val will just grab Checker's hand. <laughs> no. <and be> like, <laughs> <laughs> as as this as this back and forth. No, this, I don't want <laughs> Is happening. Uh, there are suddenly two daisies. Two daisies. Yeah. Uh, one actually. Now that you you pause for a second, wait a second. One is wearing slightly a slightly different hue of purple, but it is an identical individual. The first daisy turns to this second daisy and says, ah, one of our guests might be interested in staying here. Oh, totally. I understand. Thank you so much, Daisy. Hi, you must be Checkers. Good to meet you. Are you Daisy too? No, my name is Charlotte. Why do you look so much like Daisy? Well, that's a complicated question. How familiar are you with various arcane cloning concepts? Well, how familiar am I with arcane cloning concepts? I have a fundamental, foundational, not fundamental. I know the basics of this, I assume. I just want to know more. I, Sophie, want to know more. So I assume (laughs) Val has read about this in some text. So now we can go together, right? I mean, you want to learn more about Daisy and I want to learn more about the city. It'll be a knowledge field trip, just like you've always wanted. You, Val is so torn. <laughs> and Cashman will mind link to Val. You wouldn't deprive Checkers of a field trip. Boy, Checkers has really honed. He's like, all right, I, I know how to break Cashman. Obviously, I have a lot of practice. Check. Self, I'm working on it. I'm building the chess-based rapport. But what I have been working on these long months, what buttons do I need to press mm-hmm. to motivate Val to do what I want her to do? And here we are. Mm-hmm. I think there will be plenty of time after we talk to Lorana. Val is just silent because she's like in her mind just being like, okay, but if Checkers asks the question, then that saves time of me figuring out how to politely ask the question because Checkers is just going to ask it and then I'll just like smooth it over afterwards and it'll be fine. But like also I should be there. And there's just like an internal monologue (laughs) and you just see Val like, staring at the ground and her eyes are starting to like <laughs> glow a little because she's concentrating so hard on this decision. And Charlotte and Daisy are just staring at you both with very pleasant smiles on their face. I will I will turn to kind of both Charlotte and Daisy and uh, ask how long of a walk to get to um, Lorana's? It is a scenic 15 minute walk. Selv will turn to Val and Checkers and uh, how many questions can you get in in 15 minutes? I'm sorry. Are there any uh, issues here? A third daisy has appeared. Sal, so, I'm just making my way downtown. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll see you there at Lorana's. No, you have to say walking fast. Walking fast. <laughs> Faces past. Faces past. In 15 minutes, we'll be there. I promise. But Val and I, we got a field trip to go on. And you just see Val's, like, mind click of, like, yes, that works. We'll meet you there. Checkers, Cass and I will meet you at Lorana's. No problem. We'll be right on time. Of course. Never any doubt. 
And Kashkin will say, Daisy, would you mind taking Selva and I to meet Lorana? We have a lot of questions for her as well. Daisy steps forward and says, absolutely, I'd be happy to. And the other two will certainly accompany, accompany any other members of your group, answering any questions and ensuring they make it to your final destination safely. And it was uh, Charlotte and... Charlotte, Daisy, and Bailey. Bailey. Everyone just kind of like goes into their lines, I yeah. guess, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll say that Kaskarin and Selv have Daisy walking. Though. I think that's who you suggested, yeah. right? Yes. And between Val and <clears throat> Checkers, <laughs> there is uh, the other two are accompanying kind of them as they're going. And you guys all kind of start moving in that direction. And you can see where you're going from here. It is, you can see this giant golden palace at basically at the top of a hill. And you can see those kind of, again, golden threads going all the way over this town as if they are just huge, gleaming, like electrical lines, basically. Huh. Cool. Each of the clones says to you guys, Starry Night Pastures, as you probably have guessed, was the great work of our patron and founder, Lorana Moonglove. She is the one who created this place and the one who makes sure that it's a safe and happy community here where everyone fits in and everyone is able to have a nice life. Everyone there who's walking past you meets the gaze of whichever of the clones that are leading you and looks at you guys and gives a little wave and, hi, hello, good morning. Oh, so good to see. Oh, did you see the turnips were on sale? All that kind of, it's just kind of this almost small town atmosphere. And again, you see these rows of shops that are very upscale, but also don't seem to be labeled and don't seem to have any degree of personality to them. I think as Charlotte is walking backwards and kind of giving Val and myself a history of Starry Night Pastures, Checkers would start to get bored. <laughs> and just mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, cool, interesting. Mm. And just like try to slip away into an alley. No one would stop you mm-hmm. as you kind of went off again. You have the two attendants, but no one says anything. You just kind of sneak off. Yeah. And maybe no one notices and you find yourself in an alleyway. Seeing that no one noticed or no one's like trying to go after him, mm-hmm. he is just gonna run off and like just go into different alleys flat, and flat, start flat, climbing flat, flat. climbing onto different things. Do you go up like on rooftops yes. kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. So Checkers is he's excited, he wants to explore, he wants to go back to the place where they first entered and see like oh, what's going on here? He's going to, like, try and throw Junior out to see if Junior can make it out. Um, He wants to find, like, different shops and things. So he's really just, like, buzzing with energy, trying to learn as much about the city as he can by just experiencing it. And so, you know, you kind of hit with that energy. You start climbing up. You go, you know, kind of imagining you're jumping back and forth between different walls to go up. None of the buildings here are particularly tall. It's probably two, three stories max. Okay. And you get up to the roof, and you see a familiar robe kind of draping onto the beautiful tile roof that is uh, in front of you. And as you look up, you see one of the clones is standing there. Ah, 
How'd you get up here? Hello, checkers. I noticed that you uh, started exploring off on your own, and that is, of course, perfectly tolerated here, but we just want to make sure that you're safe and you know where you're going. But but how did you get up here? I didn't see anyone follow me. Can I point you in the direction of uh, any services, any goods, or maybe a nice place to rest after a long journey? And Checkers turns around, <laughs> hops onto Mango, let's go, boy, let's go, and just starts running. <laughs> uh, which way? Are, are you running on rooftops? Are yes. you Did you jump back down? So we're going to start running away from Bailey, I assume this one is. Mm-hmm. And just, like, try to get out of sight. Because Checkers is like, hmm, she's following me. How does she do that? And I just want to, like, try and outrun her if I can. So you scrabble around, you take some turns, and you are very adept at navigating a city, even one that you're not super familiar with. Mm -hmm. This one is a perfect grid system, too. And so you have a very good sense of where you're going, what direction you've been. And after you've gone for a couple blocks, you find yourself in an alley or something that you're like, there's no way that someone's able to have, have tracked me. You're able to take a moment, and it seems like you're alone. Yeah. All right. I think we lost her. Good job, Mango. You've actually found yourself in one of the residential areas. Ah! And you see just behind <laughs> your behind your face is the clone. There aren't a lot of things to see around here, but I think someone of your interest might be fascinated by the different architectural styles that have been shown here across the city. And you have ju- you've jumped around. All these houses look literally the exact same Mm -hmm. and starts lecturing you about like well and of course we have this style of a house which was very popular for several decades uh after this founding but eventually we started and just is like droning on and not talking about how you've run away repeatedly Mm -hmm. and this will continue i think after a certain point checkers would get he would recognize what's happening he would get tired and just at the end of her lecture just be like All right, Bailey, where's the hat store? (laughs) (laughs) This way. Kaskrin, as Daisy is, like, walking backwards and lecturing at us, is really just enamored at how nice everyone is as we're walking by. And he has, like, gotten really enthusiastic about, like, waving hi back at people. (laughs) Yep. And just like, oh, hello, good day to you, sir. And it's like, oh, wow, this is so nice. And it's just Really, because the Nagmar, you know, people have places to go and like people got their heads down, their headphones in. Nagmar's like New York. Yeah. 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 It's not, it's not an unfriendly place, but it's busy and And not like like this. What, what a nice change of pace. What a great city. Can you roll me an insight check, specifically you, Kaskrin, as someone who is actively enjoying, enjoying this? I feel like after this, it's Kaskrin's like, all right, team, I'm moving the verbs. Yeah. (laughs) The, we need a we need a a, a pasture branch, right? Not yeah. just the Agmar City branch. A eleven. Everyone is very happy to say hi to you, say hi to Daisy, say hi to Selv, and they register almost no surprise. You guys are outsiders. You guys are are a motley crew. You are dusty from the road, and everyone is just totally neutral in greeting you. Totally like, oh hey. Welcome, welcome. A lot of that. What you notice also is no one says anything to Daisy. Mm-hmm. Or if they do, it is very cursory and very just like, oh, hello, Daisy. Have a good day. And Kaskrin will say to Daisy, wow, how does Lorana maintain such a 
fantastic city. Everything is so well organized and the people are so nice. So clean here. Thank you for noticing. It's Lorana's life work. Ever since it was an idea in her beautiful genius mind, it has been her passion, her driving force throughout much of her life, particularly once her old life as a sorceress was concluded. This was always her passion, forming a beautiful, perfect, put-together city where people could be safe, especially, as you might know, in the wake of the Ultra Giants. Sorry, uh, old life. Yes, Lorana was a very well-known sorceress. No, well, in certain circles, very well-known. And uh, has a great many accomplishments to her name. Certainly city, city building was part of her responsibilities, but she's done a great many things across her life. And we're very lucky to have her here at the city. And that totally just goes over Kaskrin's head as he's like shaking the hand of someone else who just like <laughs> walked by on the street. It's a solid handshake, too. Yeah. <laughs> she's uh, like, oh, wow. Yeah, really wonderful, wonderful person. Selva's going to kind of slow down just a little bit and um, take that in. How do you give directions? The city is on top of a, an animal. Yes. Presumably the animal walks. Oh, we don't really concern ourselves with those sorts of things. It's all a perfect grid system here, actually, and we just kind of navigate our own internal directional logic. So, horn word or tail word? That's a little simplifying. No, it's numbers and letters kind of all throughout. We like to try and keep things orderly here. I see. Yes, it does seem very, very orderly here. Thank you. I feel like Cass has, as like a city guard, immediately like clocked the grid system. And then like, yeah, because like once you get past like Main Street, it's all even numbers. And when you go south, it's all odd numbers. And, and you guys Poor can self. all see in all directions. No street curves. There's no bends. There are no dead ends. You can see all the way to what must be the outskirts of this place and there are just rows and rows of plots of land of houses and they all have yards and they all are you know kind of nice and sizable and have little fences around them and all that kind of stuff uh, but you can see just straight down the HOA here must be something <laughs> horrific Val will not realize that checkers has left, but realize <laughs> that Bailey is no longer with her in Charlotte. Yep. And just be like, well, best to ask my questions before we get kicked out of the city. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. Charlotte, you brought up magical cloning before. So Lorana has... Who did she clone? Herself. Oh. What process did she use? Oh, I'm sorry. That's proprietary. That's fair. That's fair. Why did she want to start Starry Night Pastures? Oh, well, of course she just had a passion for keeping people safe, ensuring that they were able to thrive in an orderly and fulfilling way. And of course, when the Ultra Giants arrived, it became very important to have a structured, safe city that was 
flexible, movable, and outside their notice. Very smart. Who was invited to the city? Many people came early on uh, when it was simply just a, a grand idea, a hope, a dream even. I'm not really privy to how Lorana chooses those who are able to come into our community, but she very rarely guesses wrong. Good to know. Is she accepting applications? Of course. If you're very interested, you should you should be sure to mention it to her when you meet her. And Catherine just, like, strokes his uh, <laughs> long white beard. Val would most likely ask a lot of questions that Charlotte would have to answer of, like, that is proprietary information. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, how did you form a city on top of a cow? Why does it only have one son? Proprietary. Proprietary. <laughs> and I think it is valuable, even if you're not asking the specifics, mm -hmm. a lot of those technical questions or even, I'm going to go by passive insight, which I know is very high for Val. A lot of the questions are met with, I'm sorry, that's proprietary information, or You'll have to ask Florano about that. But even more, what your actual passive insight tells you is that, wow, she is very good at not answering some questions. Mm -hmm. We'll just talk around stuff and we'll just be like, well, you know, this, that, and the other thing, and we're just happy to be here. Yeah. As we're walking and looking around, and I think Selv will also wave or reply to people that have been greeting us along the way. Is there a anything that comes out as a standard greeting or a standard way of addressing Daisy? Give me a history check, actually. Twelve total. First, the easy answer that you didn't have to roll for is, yeah, you pick up on that. And it's a lot of some variation of kind of a hello and may the blank keep you. May the gods keep you. May the day keep you. That sort of thing. What the role was for is that you would actually recognize it as, wait a second, that's kind of actually very similar to a standard pentarchy greeting. It was just the kind of used phrase where it's like, ah, may the five keep you. In Dal asking kind of a lot of these questions, I think she would be asking, like, kind of how long it took Lorana to do this. And I think kind of get to the same answer that Daisy told Selvin Cass of, like, in her old life. And so I think Val would start asking, what does Lorana's new life look like? How does it differ from her old life? So, you start asking these kinds of questions, and your clone just kind of pauses as you're asking these questions and kind of has this faraway look for a second, and then snaps back and plasters the smile back on her face. And she says, well, our mistress has had a long and storied career, both in city development and in the magical arts. And luckily, I think our next stop, the place you mentioned, the most beautiful, spectacular part of the city, outside, of course, of where you're going, Lorana's Palace, is coming up. In front of you, Val, is 
a massive sculpture fountain, you know, where there are five statues uh, with a just kind of huge water display uh, Mm -hmm. going all directions. And it is a feat of engineering or arcane prowess or both. And you immediately recognize the one closest to you because you've been killed by this person before. Because it is, is what I was afraid of. Nizar the Black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you look around in this group, and Val would know the visages, especially in, in this context, of the five members of the Pentarchy. Charlotte turns to you and says, Everything we have, we of course owe to Lorana, but everything she has is owed to the Pentarchy. She, of course, is a prodigy in her own right and did all of the work you see here, but we owe a great deal towards them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all right if you want to stay and admire the fountain for a little while. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's breathtaking. It is. Is there a plaque to accompany it Ooh. that I could read more about and Val just gestures like oof like a gesture that's like oh the magnificence but she can't say it yeah. uh, th- there would be a plaque but it would be a very simple plaque because this isn't for history this is for spectacle yes it, it would just say something very simple like just the pentarchy or the, the phrase how glowing of a phrase is it it's probably A little more than neutral glowing. It would be like the Grand Founders, (laughs) basically. Okay. But, you know, something where it's not like all hail the Pentarchy kind of situation. (laughs) It's it's a step or two below that, but it is... is Favorable. Favorable is a good way of putting it, in case the obvious display and Uh obvious craftsmanship did not already send that message. Mm -hmm. Daisy, when was the, um, when was the city founded? Because we're, we're just going to do a kind of loose timeline thing. There is a point for all the rest of the three of you where you can tell they also have that kind of glazed over look for a second. And maybe maybe for you guys, it's just right after asking a question or maybe in the middle of answering a question. Maybe for checkers, it is as you are just rounding the corner and see a clone, just the eyes kind of go unfuzzy for a second mm-hmm. and allow you to obviously make your perfect final escape. Exactly. They all kind of snap back to it. And then you ask that question of how long was it found? How long ago was it founded? She launches into a obviously semi-rehearsed speech of, well, this beautiful home of ours has been something in our founder's mind's eye for many, many years. It's something that was always, again, a passion project of hers and something that was really important, a dream, something that reached beyond what she did in her day-to-day. A dream. A beautiful dream. That sort of work takes a long time, but eventually was able to layer on enough magic, find the right group of people to seed this beautiful place, and begin our growth. This place has been a wonderful haven since several years before the suns fell. And you guys would know that that is several decades ago. 
Taskrin has frozen a little bit after seeing this group of sculptures. And well, did we did we see those, or is that just? I'm assuming it's like center city, the, yeah. like um, well, you can't miss it on the way to the temple. And what we can say is that when the lights went out for a second and kind of rebooted, you guys shifted direction a little bit and started moving towards the fountain. And you guys can, I'll even say, can see Val there if that's cool. But yeah, so you guys can all see. And again, checkers, you would have <laughs> sprinted, <laughs> clapped and or bounced and or whatever past it. And again, it's impossible, especially for someone who's as perceptive as you, you would have noticed it. And you certainly would have at minimum clocked Nazar the Black, mm-hmm. <laughs> your hero. Yeah, neat. So I'm imagining at some point the three clones would have all kind of led us to the same spot, probably in front of this fountain. And Catherine, you know, takes a look and the shine of the city wears off a little bit after seeing Nazar the Black, Celestia Dreamweaver, like conquerors of the world that he read about, lived through a little bit. In his mind, these are not heroes. These are not grand people. These are not founders. They're destroyers. And so to to be in a city that venerates them is a little spooky. As this is happening, just kind of out of the corner of your eye, I won't say necessarily with malice, but one of the clone's eyes are unblinkingly mm-hmm. upon you as you are taking this in and processing it. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hi, it's me, Sophie. Do you want more Reckless Attack? Then join our Discord and chat with us in our community. The link for the Discord is in the show notes, or head on over to our website, recklessattack.com. We also have a Patreon. You can listen to our new show, Reckless Snack, and other content if you become a patron. We really appreciate your support, and thank you for listening to the episode. I want to do a comparison between basically the statue of Celestial Dreamweaver and the clones of Lorana. Hmm. Like if they're standing and if they were wearing the same clothes, would they would they be very... a clone? Yeah, of the <laughs> would, it statue? Be, would it be very like like like? Did you pick Lorana's... up on the subtle hints of that Lorana weaved a dream? Yes, perhaps? I did. And then wondering about her, what she did in her previous life as a sorcerer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, do we know if Celestial had any children? <laughs> so. You guys are all looking at this, and something I neglected to mention in my description of the fountain is that it is not five individuals in a circle. There are four individuals, and in the middle of it is Celestia Dreamweaver. Hmm. And you cannot see her face, which you guys would know is pretty typical. It's not a secret what her face looked like, but one of her kind of iconic items, her objects of focus is the Shroud of Resurrection, which she would often wear as kind of a symbol of her power over her face. But 
is also wearing a pretty typical outfit of hers. It's kind of the full regalia that you guys have seen, but they are dressed differently and you can tell it's a different build. Celestia Dreamweaver was still a warrior and had kind of a a sturdier build, even being a sorcerer and wizard. Okay. Val racks her brain. Because the whole... On the lineage. Yeah. Well, that and the whole, you know, who knows how a Shroud of Resurrection works. It Mm -hmm. might just make you into somebody else. (laughs) As far as you know, actually, none of the Pentarchy had children. No one ever talked about it, but you you would probably know. Actually, give me give me history history check. You would know for free there were no children, publicly at least, of the Pentarchy. History? Yeah. Ten. Yeah, you would just know that there were no no children, as far as any of the five members of the Pentarchy. Val will like spot cast himself and start walking over to them. And uh, when she gets close enough, she'll mind link self and be like, do you know if any of the Pentarchy, specifically Celestia, had like a daughter like, named Lorana? No, well, okay, that actually crossed my mind, but like a like right hand person or somebody that they like took under their wing, like an adoptive child or prodigy apprentice type of person. Is that uh, history again? That would be? Okay. 17 total. Unfortunately, I don't have a super satisfying answer to you because the Pentarchy over the many years had so many people at their disposal. Like, you guys witnessed the cord collar, right, in the flashback. Mm-hmm. And that was a weird, <laughs> wild individual who was in their employ who was a lieutenant, maybe, you know, so mm-hmm. was was so low level that it was kind of a whatever kind of person. This was in an era where they had tons of people. So the likelihood that it could be the case is very high. But in terms of specific of like, oh, we know that person, it's impossible because you don't have a timeline for it because they ruled for centuries. And so they had lots of right hand people over the centuries and they did not share their gift of immortality with, as far as you know, any or many of them. We don't know how the Shroud of Resurrection worked, so maybe Lorana is... Celestia Dreamweaver. That has crossed my mind, and man, do I wish I knew more about that object of focus. Maybe some of this will become clear once we meet her. True, but if she I am... I wasn't worried about that till now. Um, I'm just more concerned about how much we want to tell her about the bones now given that they were created by the Pentarchy. Uh, granted, that's like probably why she knows how to fix them and everything, but I am more cautious now. We just have to not let on that we might be on to her. Fair. I would like to note 
Val has been facing the fountain this whole time, so it's not to be just weird. I, I was going to say, itself. one of the clones is standing next to Kaskarin and kind of mm-hmm. leans over, like looking at, you know, the one who had kind of been looking at you as you were taking in all of it and thinking about what this means, just kind of eventually comes up to you and kind of looks at your two companions, Selv and Val, who are staring, but clearly to your eye, mind linking yep, <laughs> and yep. talking about stuff and just says, a lot of people get overwhelmed when they see the beautiful work for the first time. I understand. And Kaskrin is trying to hide his, like, it's not fear, but it is like, oh man, we should probably keep moving here, huh? <laughs> Do you uh, say that? Um, not the fear part, the keep moving part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. After a while, he say he will say, it is a majestic statue. I think Lorana is probably expecting us as much as I would love to study the carvings and details of this incredible masterpiece. We should probably move along. I understand. Happy to lead you over to Lorana. And one of the clones gestures. You can still see you have never lost sight in fact of that kind of gleaming palace up at the top of the hill. But she gestures very friendly. Shall we continue? Yes, that's a good idea. We don't want to keep her waiting. Nope. And, you know, if uh, checkers could be navigated this way by your other clone, Bailey, that would be great. I'm sure he doesn't want to miss seeing Lorana, and I know she probably has a lot of time, so I don't want to have two meanings or anything like that. The clone is staring straight at you. Again, just big smile plastered on her on her face. You see an almost imperceptible just kind of eye twitch. Mm-hmm. Still making direct eye contact, not blinking. And she says, he'll be along shortly. We'll all meet at Lorana's palace. And then she like starts kind of walking backwards, staring at you guys. As you guys walk up, something has changed. Everyone's still saying hi. It's still a beautiful, gleaming place. There is beautiful work done in the walls, in kind of smaller little fountains or bits, but the uniformity starts to press down on you. Where before it's like, wow, look at the intricate, perfect grid. Look at these immaculate roads. How do they get the roads clean? It all is a little too clean and a little too perfect boxes and a little too uniform. As we climb the steps. Yes, and there are now officially, like, you are now on the steps leading to this huge golden palace. How much higher is it than the surrounding city? Do you look down? I was gonna say Val's, like, takes a moment and looks down and, like, might, like, try to walk backwards a little bit. Give me a wisdom saving throw. Oh, God. I have advantage on those. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nice. 24. You're hit with a bit of vertigo. Okay. You look back 
because it's not necessarily that you're super high up, though you're you're high and it's kind of deceptively high. You realize we've kind of been going at an incline this whole time. Mm -hmm. You see the perfect rose going Mm -hmm. in each direction. You see the kind of intricately, perfectly placed landmarks here and, you know, big warehouses there. And everything is so perfectly laid out and beneath you. And beyond that, you see those two golden threads extend out and out and out. And you get the sense of scale where you can only barely see these curved horns going out from the creature that you know you must still be riding. Mm -hmm. But you're able to master yourself before feeling any ill effects of kind of this shift in perspective. I think as the party is walking up the stairs, they would also see just like halfway up Checkers and Mango just, like, crawl over the stairs, wearing a large purple hat with a three-foot-wide brim and a set of very colorful robes. (laughs) Are they Checkers-sized? No. (laughs) They are not. They're dragging behind him as he's just, like, plap, 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 all the way back up to Val. (laughs) Val, this place is great. I really enjoyed my knowledge field trip. Wow, I wish we could spend more time in... What is this place called again? (laughs) I'm glad you had fun at the Starry Night Pastures checker. Yeah, Starry Night Pastures is great. I love it. Val, can we go? (laughs) (laughs) Val, this place is weird. In front of you, the third clone appears from nowhere. There's no poof. There's no anything. It is just in a blink of an eye. They're there and is looking down at Checker's big smile plastered on her face Ah. and says, I'm so glad that we were able to find clothing to your liking. Yeah, the clothing's great. Man, everyone's so well-dressed here. Val, she keeps following me. <laughs> Val, like, mind like checkers. Val, I can't get away from her. Checkers, checkers, we all have questions. We all have different vibes from Night Pastures. We'll ask our questions of Lorana and then we will be on our way. I can't wait to meet Lorana Moonglove. <laughs> I do like your hat. Thanks. <laughs> you guys reach the top of these stairs, and this palace is immaculate. It is beautiful. It is overwhelming. It's a little gaudy, actually, if we're being honest. But it is there, and it is magnificent, and you can see at the very top, there is just this almost like weather vane-looking thing, also made of pure gold, that is the highest point in this entire place. And now that you're closer to it, you can actually see that the threads kind of spool around it and go down into this temple. And you can also see that it's it's two arms that have the two strings are turning just a little bit every once in a while. Little to the left little to the right, straight forward, just tiny amounts. But there's no wind here. Actually, it's jarring how little wind is up here. 
Are there any other guards here or people, visitors, like anyone else besides us and these clones? Boy, David, I am so pleased that you asked that. Because <laughs> Catherine's always looking for like, hey, are there you know people like, exactly entrances and like things like that? And I didn't want to prompt you, but Kaskrin especially, maybe he was just so happy to be greeted so warmly. Mm-hmm. You didn't see a single guard in this entire place, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like right. this city with no guards. No way. Right. You and, can't have a city without guards. Like, where the cities are. Like, what, what is this? That's the whole deal. Yeah. You you saw nothing resembling a guard anywhere in this place. And Checkers, as you were bopping around, mm-hmm. the only sort of, not even resistance, but any obstacle you encountered was just the clone who was following you. Mm-hmm. No guards. Everyone you saw was all wearing the outfit that Checkers is now wearing. <laughs> But if just, you know, various flowing robes, those sorts of things, you guys stand out like a sore thumb. You are so visibly outsiders and feel it and notice it. You get the impression, Kaskarin, that no one else is here. Mm -hmm. At the top of these stairs, there is another of the clones. This one was wearing all yellow. Like bright, uh, sunshiny yellow almost. And looks down at you guys and says, So glad all of you have made the journey here. Lorana has been expecting you for some time and is very excited to hear from all of you to learn about your request and how she might be able to help. Would you care to accompany me inside? That would be great. Um, what's your name? My name is Alice. Hi, Alice. I'm Valeska, as I assume you know. I do. And she has a clipboard like all of the others have had and just does a little check mark on the clipboard. Mm-hmm. If we could go see Lorana, that would be lovely. And Kaskrin, when he got here, had like a smile that reached his eyes and now it's very much... <laughs> He's, he's got a very similar customer service smile to Alice. Yep, here to do business. Yep, we're here, and I would like to not be here <laughs> soon. She kind of meets your request with, again, another smile and kind of bows just a little bit and takes a step backwards and pushes open these giant doors. Have you ever, have you guys ever seen, I believe it's like, it's the doors... I want to say of Hadrian or something like that, but there are two giant iron doors in an old building in Rome that I think are like 20 feet tall and weigh hundreds of, if not thousands of pounds, but are built so well that a normal person can just push it open and it swings open with no problem. That is the impression that you get. These doors are massive, and she just extends a hand and just kind of gently pushes as it opens into the sanctum. It is perfect and decorative. Inside is pretty straightforward. Uh, it is actually just a kind of straight shot back. There are huge columns. Everything in here seems to be, again, more marble and gold pretty exclusively, other than a couple of, of little bits of banners and bits of fabric to kind of break things up here and there. As you're looking down this hallway... Or this, you know, hallway is a little bit underselling it, but this kind of grand entryway that leads back. 
everything is a perfect mirror. Everything is spaced well. All the columns are perfectly placed. And it, again, just kind of adds this little bit of, like, vertigo feeling of you look all the way back and it's looking, it's like looking at two mirrors facing each other, just going straight backwards. Alice turns around and puts her back towards you guys and starts walking down this hallway. And kind of you can hear now echoing footsteps as she heads that direction and kind of gestures you guys on as... There are lamps kind of all throughout it, but they are not burning with fire. They are maybe like heated metal or something that is giving off light that you, the humans, would recognize as light bulbs. Taskrin is going to ask Alice kind of a leading question of, wow, what a like, what an incredible palace. Is it only Lorana who lives here? And he's like looking around at all of the space and all of the shadows and like there must be like is someone watching us like what is going on here Alice keeps walking and you hear a voice echo down the halls saying of course it's mine silly Tasker will look down towards the wall at the end and like squint a little bit to see what's down there. As you squint, the world kind of shifts in focus a little bit, you know, just kind of in the, it gets blurry and clearer all at the same time. And as your eyes adjust, someone's sitting there. And you guys can now all see this too. Like there's that moment again where Kaskrin kind of sort of saw it phase in. But for you guys, you just suddenly look down the hall and there is a figure in kind of a chaise lounge kind of thing. Chaise lounge mixed with kind of big, big seat with big armrests. Just sprawled out atop it and just kind of looking down and holding seemingly some sort of rod or scepter or staff. Please approach. And Casper puts on his most pleasant, like ingratiating face. Lorana, I presume. So glad that you could take the time out of your busy schedule to meet us. And Casper will walk forward confidently, a little bit like he is meeting a friend and less of, like, approaching royalty. He's trying to be friendly with her as much as he can. Casper, very quickly as he's walking, like, it's that awkward space while, like, someone else is holding the door open for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wow, this is great. It's so good for you to meet us. I'm still walking, huh? This distance was longer than I first yeah. thought. How far away are we from Lorana at this point? Are we on, like, an endless walkway? Is this how she, like, fucks with us? How, like, we are just... How uncomfortable is Val? Sophie the is long... more uncomfortable right. than that's, this. Right, <laughs> and that's, that's a, right, being a different question. Yeah. How uncomfortable... Because, right, again... Cass is like, I'm powering through, right? He's starting to get reasonably uncomfortable now. Right. Like, wow, it's so great to see you, Lorana. I'm still walking. Huh? Oh, boy. I think if Val's walking for like 10 more seconds, she's just going to start asking questions as she's walking. (laughs) Like, this is taking up too much time. I guess I got to get started. Checkers is lightly hiding behind Val throughout (laughs) this whole process. Just like, "Mm, yeah, this is great. Really enjoying myself. I just love the image of Checkers hiding behind Val and has a six foot. 
Oh, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You see the figure pick up its staff. You are a little closer, but like you should have been a little closer even <laughs> still. <laughs> and it picks up its staff. And at the end of it is kind of like a fork where it's almost like a trident with no middle, uh, a bident, if you will. Mm -hmm. And just clangs it onto the ground and makes this kind of reverberating noise. And then you guys snap across the hallway as if no time has passed. You take one step and you're there. And in front of you, just again, still lounging on this dais kind of uh, again chaise lounge <laughs> this this kind of overstuffed purple thing is a face you recognize because you have seen it upwards of four times now she is wearing a huge brimmed hat and is wearing not just a purple or anything but her robe is reflective of all the various colors, much like the, the buffalo is, is just wearing this shimmering cloak that seems to have every color that you see up in the night sky and is holding this staff in one hand. And you can see in the other hand is just kind of resting on a very simple wooden staff that appears to be in the ground that has two golden threads leading up into the ceiling, kind of straight up, that she is just kind of fiddling with a little bit into the side. And she looks at you, and she is much, much more than her clones. The two things that stand out to you as different from her clones, other than just kind of force of personality, is she wears a little smirk that you have never seen on any of her clones because they had shit-eating customer service grins, and her eyes are blacked over with golden irises and looks at you all and says, well, it is a treat to have the four of you here. Look at you cuties. You have made it all the way. I am so excited to talk to you. Welcome. I'm Lorana. And then she looks at you all and kind of gives this, like, kind of fun and flirty grin. And you can see her two canines are long and pointed. And that is where we'll end this week's oh, episode. No, see you no. all next week! Yay! You're here! What? Hooray! What shape were her pupils? Pupil shaped. <laughs> Everyone ready? Yep. Let's Definitely. Get to a fantasy chilies. <laughs> that's the only place I want to go. Yeah, I know. And that's a good place to go. Again, it'll be lunch. You guys are hungry, as we as mm -hmm. we noted in the uh, in the last mm -hmm. episode.
Because I would like hungry. A fantasy Reuben. <laughs> <laughs> I would like some fantasy baby back ribs, please. <laughs> Someone had better be Googling uh, what the Chili's menu is yeah. and having a appropriate... See, I was always an Applebee's right. kid. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea I don't know what that the Chili's menu I assume is. it's... I went to Chili's once and I got hella sick. <laughs> That's because you didn't Lost my loyalty right. forever. Hello. I did not enjoy my experience at the <laughs> Chili's that I've been to one time in my life. Great. Don't put that as a bonus part no. of the episode. In case <laughs> it loses for life. In case it loses us our Chili's yeah. sponsorship. I will uh, cool. not in premiere. I will not appear in the promotional material. Yeah, we'll we'll, <laughs> for, we'll, we'll for record around it. If they ask for a whole cast thing, we'll mm-hmm. we'll try to we'll try to do something different. Just tell them I was violently ill. <laughs> well, you know, we'll, we'll I, I think I think we have enough from the previous episodes that we can create splice some words together <laughs> and create. Hi, it's me, Sophie. <laughs> chili. I love chili. <laughs> it's our next ad. We just reach out to chilies first. Man, one time I was violently not <laughs> sick after eating a chilies. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, both of those eggs have the chilies menu on. Well, yeah. 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 Obviously. I, I, I suggested it. Yeah. And, and Jonathan and David were good table order. partners. Oh and they're like, Nathan, I hear you. That right. is a great idea. <gasps> I will. I'm yes ending yeah. Nathan. Yeah. I, right. I will. Yeah. Let me go into my bookmarks and pull up the chilies <laughs> menu right. <laughs> that I have ready for such Starred a case. Starred and favorited. Right. <laughs> yes, I'd like to. I'd like to order the swooping onion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I would like all of these desserts, please. <laughs> <laughs> what's your zert? You, what's your zert flight yeah. look like? 